for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, with 26 games to go in the NBA regular season, the Warriors are staring down their longest summer vacation in a while. But just because they aren't competing for a championship doesn't mean the next few months aren't critical in the Dubs' efforts to rediscovering that title-winning form next year. With help from Warriors beat writer Ethan Strauss, we delve into why the final 26 games matter, who needs to make the most of them, and how the return of superstar Stephen Curry will impact all of it. It's Friday, February 21st. Well, Ethan, it is about darn time that we got you on here because first and most importantly, how did I not know that you were a Cal guy until I just read your bio on The Athletic? You're a Cal Bear too? I am. I don't yes. really, it's funny, I don't really wear it on my chest. A lot of people do. I don't have a lot of merchandise. I live within walking distance of the campus and for whatever reason, I just don't rep it. I don't know why. I'm a bad, I'm a you bad are. Cal grad. You are a bad Cal grad. What, what dorm were you in freshman year? I was in unit two. Unit two. Nice. I mean, that's the thing. You feel like a number. I mean, it's just, what dorm were you in? <laughs> unit two. Hey, I lived in the units all four years. I was an RA when I was at Cal. So oh, I, lived in, wow. I lived in unit one as a freshman, and then I was an RA at unit three uh, down near Telegraph for the final three years, which was a trip. Who, who were the guys on the Cal basketball team when you were in Berkeley? Poe was a big deal back then. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, he was, he was the king of that particular scene. And trying to remember Midgley was Midgley there who who else was there there was there one you go yeah Richard yeah. Midgley uh, yeah. the kid out of the Central Valley the Brit I think yeah he was in I think a poli sci class of mine and <laughs> of course I know him now um through what he does with the Warriors but uh Theo Robertson okay yeah so you were there during a good time as far as yeah. Cal Hoops are concerned it wasn't bad it wasn't as fallow as it definitely got later on but football was still big I mean it was never bigger than my first year there because Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback yeah they were pretty good there was that USC game where I felt like he played perfectly but there were some key drops where they didn't mm -hmm. win ultimately and then you had the Marshawn Lynch era and you had Deshaun Jackson Cal they did a great job of just getting guys who would be awesome NFL players, but not necessarily uh, <laughs> coalescing it into college success. Yep, yep. That was the big knock on the teams back then. But they're turning things around. All right, Ethan, enough of our Cal memory time. Uh, let's get into the Warriors. 26 games to go in the regular season. Is Steph Curry coming back March 1st or what? What's going on with Steph? <laughs> I don't know. That's He's what everybody wants to know. Come on, Ethan. He's been messing around. I know Marcus Thompson, our colleague, put that out there, and Steph was messing around, and he shouted to Marcus, March 2nd. Now it's March 2nd. It's March 2nd. So I don't know. I mean, look, I know that people working with him, some of them wouldn't want him to come back and don't see the point. I don't necessarily see the point, but I think the only point of it might be that Steph Curry loves to play basketball and hates mm -hmm. missing games, and I'm not sure if that's a good enough reason. I mean, look. There's the other. There's the other aspect where your your chase prices are probably going to come up a bit, and maybe some more money flows in the Joe Lacob's coffers. But I don't necessarily think it's the greatest idea in the world. This is a lost season. There's nothing to accomplish when it comes to winning. So unless somebody can come up with a good argument as to how this will help the next season, yeah, I don't know. Okay, interesting. I wasn't going to ask you that question, but so you're on the side of Steph should just keep sitting out, Clay should sit out, and they should just try to put it all back together next year then, huh? I think that there's a risk. There's a risk to playing games that don't matter um, <laughs> because anything could happen as we yeah. saw at the end of last season's finals, right? 
you suffer an injury and the injury can have massive implications for the next season, unless you think that they're going to get too rusty or it's too much time away, whatever argument you want to make, I would be more inclined to say, you know what, hey, something flared up with the hand and, uh, oh, Clay is, uh, you know, something, something up with the knee, you know, just mm-hmm. make something up and, and just uh, push it on to next season. I know a lot of fans miss them and want to watch them again. I can certainly understand that and I will be more entertained when they're on the floor for sure. But yeah, I'd be more inclined to kick it down the road for another season. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, the argument on the other side of that for him coming back, other than the fact that Steph just loves playing ball, is to try to see how he fits with the newly acquired, who you mentioned, Andrew Wiggins. So let's talk about Wiggins. How's the fit looking so far in your eyes? Better than expected. Small sample size, of course. The Warriors are hoping in the way that when they changed from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr, the hope was that Clay would benefit. And that's why they didn't want to trade Clay because the Wolves wanted Clay. Is he's going to benefit? That's what Jerry West said. You'll benefit from the ball movement. The Warriors are hoping that this system unleashes something in Wiggins that we previously didn't see. Now, people who know Wiggins' game best and who've seen a lot of it, uh, they have their doubts. They think he is what he is. They think the Warriors are being perhaps arrogant and believing they have some kind of magic pixie dust Mm -hmm. that will make him what he wasn't over six seasons. But that's what their hope is, and it at least was initially validated. So I know they're tremendously excited. I know Kerr is just over the moon about it, and that hasn't really been the case this season. So it's at the very least in a season that had gotten quite desultory, it's something to monitor, a situation where maybe you perk up a bit when he's in the game. It's at least something to watch. Another interesting story that's kind of caught my eyes and eyes of a lot of folks as of late. Um, Marquise Chris, really interesting story, Ethan. He's a 22-year-old Sacramento native. He was waived for salary cap purposes back in January, rejoined the club on that two-way contract shortly thereafter. Then all the wheelings and dealings before the trade deadline, and Chris signed a non-guaranteed two-year deal to stick around, and he's looked darn good since he did. Um, Why the recent emergence? That's a good question. Maybe the Warriors would say we do have a little of that magic pixie dust and they didn't have it in Phoenix and these other places. And maybe that's where the market inefficiency is. Guys in terrible situations with terrible organizations. Perhaps that's where you can really get a value. But I think the other lesson to it might be, and this could have implications for which guy they draft because the buzz is that the Warriors like James Wiseman, he's a center, He's a guy who rolls and vertical spacing, a little bit like Chris, but a little bit larger. But maybe the lesson is when it comes to value, you can potentially get a center off the scrap heap. So then why would you necessarily burn a number one or top five pick on a center? That right. might ultimately be the lesson here. If you can find a Marquise Chris, then why are you trying to why are you trying to use that valuable space, that valuable real estate that is a draft pick to get a center? Now, I know our colleague, Marcus Thompson, who you mentioned, said that there's a chance that he could be the Warriors' starting center next year. What do you think about that? I think that there's a chance at it. I think that chance perhaps is lessened by Kevon Looney not being traded. I think Looney has more of Steve Kerr's trust. On the other hand, Kerr has always preferred bringing Looney off the bench. So I think there's a chance at it. Certainly, if they get James Wiseman in the draft, I think he will be the starter. But if they don't start a center, you could see him as the guy. What's going on with Kevon Looney? I know this has been a really difficult season for him. Yeah, I think that the injuries that he racked up in the finals did not help him. I remember talking to him afterwards, right after they lost game six, and uh, had been eliminated, didn't win the championship, and he was saying that 
it would take him about six weeks to be able to get back to activity again. Now, that's tough because the offseason is where these guys try to improve and try to add things. And so there was already a tremendous chunk out of his offseason that was taken up just to recover. And then it seems like he suffered other injuries and there's been a cascading effect. And he hasn't looked he hasn't looked like he's been in tremendous shape either. I think that they did the right thing by not dealing him because I think this is maybe the worst time to sell on Kevon Looney. I've always been a believer in his game. I think he's a really smart basketball player. I think his defense is underrated and impactful. And so I can't exactly speak with specificity of whatever is going on with his body. But what I can say is that if you do get him healthy, I think he's productive and it's best to wait on that. All right. Well, we mentioned Chris a few minutes ago. Let's talk about some of the other youngsters, Ethan. Let's start with the one warrior who actually made it to All-Star Weekend this year, Eric Paschal. How do you see the rookie kind of continuing to develop the rest of this season and into the next? Yeah, he's gone through the rookie trial and tribulations where he burst onto the scene and was running roughshod over defenses. He was this night. He, he was a he was a mismatch because he's very strong. And he's the sort of oddly shaped perimeter attacker. So guys who were fast enough to keep up with him weren't strong enough to prevent him from getting to the rim. And then guys who were strong enough weren't fast enough to stay in front of him. But the scouting came in, I believe, and they they understood when he was uh, leaning into his left-hand drive. And so you see him getting stripped a lot. And you see teams following that scouting report. So I think it's going to be a process of knowing that, adjusting for it. And then also there's a slight hitch in his shot. And I don't know if it's possible to smooth that over or if you can just refine you can just refine that. So th- those are sort of the two major things for him to focus on. I think that if he gets right, he could be a valuable player for them because they could attack specific mismatches. But right now, it's just triumphing over the league preparing for you. From everything you hear, is very competitive and diligent. So I think he's well positioned to do that, but it's going to take some time. What about um, Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman? What do those young guys need to do to, I don't know, kind of prove their worth as this season winds to a close? Yeah, uh, Kai Bowman had another just burst onto the scene kind of situation. And mm-hmm. he wasn't he, he wasn't necessarily a passer, which usually you expect from a shorter point guard. Uh, he was more of a shoot-first guy. And I wonder if he got a little bit uncomfortable because it seemed like some nights he was either gunning and productively so, even if he was missing certain open guys. But then maybe he was trying to be more of a distributor and then he would disappear. And so I think for him, it's going to be about finding the right balance. For Jordan Poole, yeah, that's a bit of a mystery. He looked like somebody who wasn't even close to being an NBA player early in the season for right. a significant stretch of the season. And ever since they got him more on the ball and they started making use of him as a point guard, and he's quite a good passer, he seems also more comfortable as a shooter. So I think the smart money certainly would have been on this guy's just not going to make it. You know, this is a bust of a pick. Recently, you're going okay. You know, maybe there's something. Maybe there's something here. Maybe he just needed to be involved in order to get in the proper rhythm. And so that's something to monitor going forward. Does Jordan Poole, the point guard, make an appearance next season when they have more guys on the roster? Yeah, it's so interesting. They're just moving the guys around just a little bit, even if they seem to fit in one position. They can all of a sudden become a completely different player just by moving a spot. All right. And finally, the draft. Ethan, in your latest piece, you said that you've been watching film for months, which is very impressive, first of all. Uh, well, well not, it... <laughs> not, not, not for literal months, you know, not like growing Not just a... like in a dark room, the beard. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, you know, looking like Rip Van Winkle uh, when I get out of that room. Darn it. I was hoping that was the case. Okay, so you haven't been in a tiny closet ignoring everybody and peeing into jars. But you have been watching watching film for months, um, and you haven't been that impressed, except for one particular prospect, and it's not the center that the Warriors are high on. So tell us about the guy that you've, like, seen so far. Well, to be clear, I mean, I might have been impressed by James Wiseman, but he... uh... He played what? What did he play? One and a half games? Two games before the NCAA? Small sample size, yeah. Yeah, yeah, before everything happened with the NCAA. So we don't really have a whole lot of film on that guy. I will say that his stats in AAU and high school do not compare that favorably to other centers who are drafted high. I know a lot of scouts say that he improved between then and now. So that's just something I, I tend to favor stats just because – I'm not going to favor the more abstract measurements because I'm not watching everything. And the guy I've liked recently a lot is Killian Hayes out of France, who's playing in a German league currently, the BBL. And he's just so skilled, man. He's six foot five, uh, a little bit similar to D'Angelo Russell in that he does play the pick and roll, but there's a lot better effort on defense. And I think John Hollinger, or John Hollinger, pointed out that his stats compare favorably to Dennis Schroeder who played in the same league and Truder has become a productive NBA player only, you know, Hayes is taller and he's just got, it's a fun kind of game to watch mm-hmm. uh, because not only is he a lefty, but he's modeled his game after James Harden minus a lot of the flopping and he's got sidestep three pointers. He's got step back three pointers. The one main knock on him apart from athleticism, because people have pointed out, out that he's not the greatest athlete. He is so lefty dominant. So I think for him, if he's able to do a little more with his right hand, he's one of those guys where he'll finish with the left hand on the right side of the basket. If he can fix that, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic about what he could do for a team. And I think it could be good for the Warriors if they get a guy like this because you could actually defend him with you – could, you could put him on a wing. You know, He's almost as tall as a lot of wings are. And if all goes well, he could spell Steph and uh, come along slowly because he's 18 years old. So, look, I don't know anything. You can throw this back in my face if it turns <laughs> out this guy's a bust. But if you're just asking me what my take is based on watching these guys, um, I'm a Killian Hayes fan. Okay, yeah. And I got to admit, I am too. I, I watched a bunch of the videos that you posted in your interview, um, in your article, and uh, I was I was impressed too. So. If you guys haven't seen that article that Ethan wrote, we will link to it in the description of today's podcast. Okay, last one for you, Ethan. 26 games to go in the regular season. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that you and fans should be paying attention to as the season winds down? Oh, man. No that's pressure. A, that's, it's like, it's like, it's like, if it's I what we call that, the clean up question. It's like if I, knew that, if I knew that, that I feel like I would pitch that article. Um, <laughs> What was not discussed on this terrible team that has lost the most games <laughs> and might not even have uh, the main players coming back? Is there anybody in particular? But other I than mean, that. <laughs> other than that, you know, I, but it's like anything I tell you just sounds ridiculous. Like Damian Lee, uh, good shooting for him. <laughs> you know, I maybe, think it's all Maybe waiting. something on the food at Chase it's Center all, or something? Oh, the food at Chase Center. Okay, that's a great question. I am a huge fan of dumpling time. And they oh. added a dumpling time outside the arena. I think that place is so cool. I'm not being paid to say it. Maybe yet. I should. Maybe yeah, I should be yet. corruptible. Mm-hmm. I could be, you know, I could be bribed with soup dumplings, certainly. <laughs> I think dumpling time, I love dumplings. Yeah, I haven't seen many institutions as fancy as this just go completely all in on dumplings. 
And not only has it been delicious, I believe, but also uh, it's just really cool looking. They've got this Tom Yum dumpling where it's got some kind of beet-infused exterior, and it's a soup dumpling, and then you've got the, uh, the, the Tom Yum soup inside of it, and it just looks super cool. And I also, it's a little pricey, but I like their, their Wagyu dumpling uh, with Wagyu beef. I'm into it. And I also soup dumplings. I just, you know, I'm not a, an expert on soup dumplings. They're all great to me, but man, I can just keep eating those all day. I've enjoyed the, the dumpling time opening. This might be foolish of me because we are supposed to do some kind of video review of it in the future. I feel like I might be giving up. Look, this I'm going to be- This is a tease then. Tease it's a tease. To that. Mm-hmm. It's a tease. It's a tease. It's a tease. That was Ethan's breakdown of a few. He will get more in depth in his future breakdown, right? I will. Ethan, this was awesome. Thanks for the time. Go Bears. Keep up the fantastic work and don't don't eat too many dumplings. <laughs> Go Bears. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so there you have it. The thing you most need to check out as this 2019-2020 Warrior season winds down, well, it is... Uh, it's the dumplings outside of Jay's Center. <laughs> and obviously, if and when Steph comes back, keep an eye on how he and Wiggins and all the youngsters we talked about all start to mesh together, too. And now, I need to go find me a dumpling. I'm hungry. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update, my friend Adam Copeland will step into the hosting chair as I head off to Vegas to cover our men's and women's Pac-12 basketball tournaments and head to Chicago to call some NHL hockey, too. So thanks to Adam, he's going to be holding it down until I return. As always, if you're enjoying the show, whenever you have a minute, we'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe. Your support really is what keeps us going here at the Athletic Podcast Network. And if you don't really want to do that, just want to keep listening, that's fine by us, too. We appreciate all of the support. For Brian, Tanika, all of us here at The Updates, I'm Kate Scott saying thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Adam Copeland will be with you on Monday.